I mean, I think, you know, for, for where I live in the United States, um, it's very cold and, and you know, I, I live in Illinois, so oh. I, the snow is going to start flying. And right now all the trees are turning, all the different colors. And um, so for me, it's just getting ready. Winter's coming if we're going to keep on the Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, but thank you for coming back on the podcast, Sheree. Like, I appreciate it because, like I said, I was just a bit annoyed that that didn't record. And, I, and I, what was even on, I couldn't even pinpoint the reason why, because I had, like, I still understand why it happened. I thought maybe it was my Zoom, but uh, but we're not going um, to have that problem today. Well, I'm on strong internet. So just in case I had something to do with it, because I was, no, remote, no. I was at a hotel, so I don't know, but we're good. No, nothing you're on. We're, we're good, we're good. And like, you know, just as uh we spoke about before i wanted to just kind of delve into like you know before we talk about hope spell and what the positive reviews or just from from starting it to releasing it you know i want to just kind of go back a bit into your grief journey and essentially what sparked um you to write basically okay yeah i mean i think it's you know like we like we talked about i think it is about the the difficult um really just avoiding those difficult conversations um and so is ben joining us or no oh so uh, i'm still waiting for him but i think we'll just yeah i'm sure if he does jump he'll just i'll just we'll just i'll just tap into the convo so it's, it's fine oh okay all yeah. right with your magic okay all right i'm sorry so good <laughs> <laughs> so the question is just why why did i write it or yeah so so i guess there's more so i wanted to delve into more into your story with grief so you know the, the loss that you that you experienced that sort of led you to you know uh, write more and also in turn help others great um so it really was covid uh, you know i think I, I, we all have personal journeys but i think what made me decide to write and have the courage to write was the 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 pandemic and I was so upset because so many people were not able to be with their loved ones. So the closure, and then they weren't able to go to church and they weren't even able to go over to homes and, and give hugs and provide any kind of comfort. And um, when I was young, I always had this story about heaven's bell and that bells were hung in heaven when somebody died. And so I had told the story a couple of times to, um, young people and uh, my niece and um, to one of my friends who had grandchildren. And I was encouraged to write down the story, but I never, I didn't identify as an author. I didn't identify as somebody that, you know, maybe even did well with death and dying. I don't like death and dying. I don't think anybody does, um, but I wanted to help people. And I think it's a difficult conversation. It's awkward. Where do you start? How do you show your support? I mean, it's just icky all the way around. Um, but I believe that this story could be a place where people could create some safe space and show up for people that they love, that are grieving. And it might be a way to be able to talk about their loved one and keep the memory of their loved one alive through the awkwardness of the fact that death is sad. 
And we really, I think as humans want to avoid sad things, right? We view that as conflict. So I don't want to say anything. I'll just flip a card out the car window. Um, so really the impetus was the pandemic. Mm. Yeah, and no, I, I think I really resonate with what you said there because we don't like to have the uncomfortable conversations, especially around death. And I'm not sure how you feel about this, but I feel like the pandemic was not like a, a re, it was like a reset, but more important, it was, it was a way to introduce, I would say, change to people. And not only that, and change that might result in loss. And again, a lot of the time, we're not faced with such like, uh, I would say a large majority of loss where it's affecting everyone. People are, are dying. Usually grief can be in isolation to, you know, someone but not, not someone that's affecting the entire world. So I think from that perspective, it's not nice that it's happened, but it also, the harsh reality of it is that it, it's exposed people to, to loss and, you know, how they really feel about someone because how, how they feel about someone will determine the relationship they had with that person. So, I feel like, you know, it's, it's sad. I wish it didn't happen. You know, I wish people didn't have to um, lose people in, in such a way that, you know, in a way that that can cause a, a lot of, I would say, upheaval because, you know, there's projects behind it regarding, you know, hospital treatment and things like that. So it's, you know, it's a whole different thing. So I can't imagine having that sort of carrying that emotion on your head, you know, it, it, it yeah, it, it must it must be difficult. So I think, you know, writing is like any other uh, avenue to help people with grief. So I think it's, at some point it's only, well, expected that people are going to resonate with, with things that, that they're, they're look, going through basically. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a commonality there that um, because it was happening at such a global rate and such a massive experience with death, even if a family wasn't experiencing a personal COVID situation or death or illness, you still, as a family unit, were seeing it covered on television. So, you know, my children were concerned. What does this mean? Um, you know, you were experiencing um, all the reports of the death and the death tolls and the dying. There was fear. There was grieving for people that we really didn't know intimately, but still felt sad about it. You know, so and, you know, varying different religions, varying different um, perspectives on death. And, and what does that look like? So you couldn't it was unavoidable, regardless of what you were experiencing, because at some point, in some way, we were all experiencing loss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, like I said, it's, it's the first time people are getting to really um, be I don't like me I don't want the right word to use instead of exposed but I don't know I thought that's the, the only word I can describe how I want to describe it and, and when I say exposed I don't mean in a in a negative way I just mean more so on this idea that people are now learning what grief is people whether it's it's, it's affects you directly or you've seen someone who's lost you know someone due to COVID and things like that so it, it's definitely a, a a time that did bring about change, but also that just in terms of your emotions and also just your, your physical well-being because people lost jobs yes. as well. That's another thing. So that, that brings about a whole heap of other issues to worry about as well as, grieving. you know, so it, it's, it's, it's a lot. And, and you know, just going back to, you know, uh, the pandemic and writing for you. So like, at what point did, um, like, was there something 
just aside from just the pandemic that made you feel like this, I need to write a book about this and it needs to happen fast. Yeah, I, I, I think my, my superpower, you know, everybody has a superpower. I, I, I do feel like my superpower is storytelling more verbally than written. Uh, but I knew that if I could write it down, which I had been asked to do by others that have that heard the story, um, it it felt like it might be a useful tool to be able to bring people together and share the opportunity to hear the story, read the story, and then what was happening is once people read the story, they weren't talking about the story; they were talking about their loved one. So immediately when, when I told the story, the next thing out of the person's mouth was a memory about their loved one. So I thought if I could write it down and it could go worldwide and if there's an audible as well, um, that it could help people have the courage to open up. And we needed it quickly because it was happening, the pandemic was happening so fast and we were losing so many people and we needed people to have the courage to be able to say, it's okay to be proactive, reach out and wanna talk about people's loved ones. Mm -hmm. And I had feedback from someone who said, I would have normally not gone to their home. I would have normally, it's almost like the pandemic helped them hide because they didn't have to show up. And what the story did is give them an opportunity to show up. They could send the book, they could stop by with the book, they could talk about the story. And that created such a rich conversation that didn't feel conflictual. Mm-hmm. It, gave, it gave both parties a safe place to be able to talk about something other than the sadness. Even though that's there, it's about celebrating the memories. So it's like, it was a catalyst, but it, I knew I couldn't help myself. Like it was something that I knew deep down. I just, I just, I just had to do. I've never really had an experience like that before, but I just knew like it, it was time it. And I had, I had that story for probably 10 years. They they say always, always trust the gut. Yes. Always. Yes. You know, and it, it has been, it has been an amazing journey that to, um, to see the reviews on, on Amazon, I think there's probably 70 or 80 five-star reviews across Goodreads and Amazon. And, but again, if you read the reviews, people are talking about their loved ones. People are talking about what the story did, not the story, right. which is a beautiful thing a beautiful thing for my personality. I love it. It's helping people talk. I, I feel like that's, again, as a, as a writer, I feel like, in my opinion, that is what will literally not give, not give you an ego boost, but make you feel yes. like, like what I'm doing is special because not only, it's not the story, but people are speaking about how it's making them feel or making them remember their loved ones. Or like, I, I feel like that that's the best thing. Like, so when writing, was that the initial impact you wanted? Or was it like, yeah, was that the initial impact you wanted? Yes. I just didn't realize, I wasn't sure it was going to work. 
Um, I, it was the scariest thing I had ever done. Um, I hired people to help me. So I had a book coach and it was all female team. I had a book coach and a, an editor and a first time illustrator, um, a, a, a marketeer, if you will. Um, but that's what I had hoped because that's what I had experienced verbally when I had told it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's beyond my, my wildest dreams that it's continuing to make a difference. Yeah, that's, that's special. And so like, like with anything we all do, there's always going to be an element of doubts and, you know, at times it might, uh, you know, doubt might encroach on, you know, the, the hope that what, how did you prevent that from happening? How did you prevent um, the doubts you were having from literally killing the actual dream? Or stop, from killing, stop from killing the dream. Well, first of all, I, I mean, I let all of those doubts be a barrier for a decade. Um, but I think my wanting to help people outweighed my insecurities. Okay. I, I really felt like I am coming from a place of authenticity and wanting to help. And if, if, if I can put that out into the world right now with the experience, with the loss that we're experiencing, it can't hurt. So I just, it was just this absolutely, if not now, when we need this. And if I think about the, the school shootings and if I think about all of the, um, you know, the media coverage with some of the losses that we're experiencing in, in mass, I, I truly believe this is another tool to add to um, helping one another. I also feel like it's, it's a book that's geared to that eight to 12 year old um, audience, even though people will argue with me and say it's, it's not a children's book. Um, but I do feel like sometimes uh, in some of the stories that I've received, we'll sometimes we experience our first loss in that age range. And that's kind of the age range that I had told the story before I wrote the book. Because um, I think sometimes there's the young, you know, Bernstein Bears loses grandpa and then there's kind of the really heavy resources for counselors or adults, you know, with the stages. And this is just kind of a tween fable story to get a conversation started. Um, it's, I've, I've heard people say it's sad, right? It is, it, it is a, it's a book about a, a, a friendship to 11, 12 year olds, and one of them dies early on in the book. But I think it's, um, I think it's, a, it's geared, it's geared toward an audience, but it's also a different type of tool that starts a conversation and that could go into that, that therapy realm very easily. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's essentially what's important having started that conversation because talking about it is it can be extremely difficult and I was going to say something earlier something that I feel like in terms of the pandemic and grief I feel like it, it didn't allow people to grieve because although like you were experiencing loss on such a rapid rate and on a mass scale like people don't because not only people are still have you have still have to 
uh, quarantine. You still have to follow social distancing. So you're not get you're not burying someone as you would normally with you know pre pre pandemic. And I can't imagine what what that must feel like and having to experience what that does to you mentally because you're almost having to rush to say goodbye and it shouldn't be something we need to rush. You know, of course, I know it's hard. And some might find it easier just to get over and done with, but there's some who want to say a proper goodbye, want to really take it all in, like do the final steps or have the, you know, the the funeral day full of that the person deserves. But you know, you couldn't do that with a pandemic. And yes. You and know, it's yeah, and the uh, the there there are other things, right? So you know. I had somebody who talked about losing a loved one in a car accident. You don't have any opportunity to say goodbye. Suicide. Um, so in the book, there's kind of an awkward goodbye, um, but she wasn't at, you know, Ashley wasn't at Cody's bedside. So I don't know, you know, we kind of have this I, ideal, you know, when somebody dies, this is what it's going to be like. I'm going to be there holding their hand. I'm going to be able to say, I love them. And that just, that isn't always the case, pandemic or not, you know? And so how do we create that closure and how do we help one another grieve through what we have no control over? As much as we think we do, we don't. Exactly, and it's true. And I think, um, would you say the book helps to like give you a, a overview of not overview but give you like an idea of what grief is like but not in a way that that sugarcoats it basically you know like you said there's there's not always going to be you know um the ideal goodbye sometimes going to be awkward you know and not only just that it's sometimes it's going to be difficult to have that closure it's not always a thing that that is a given you know and yeah so i, I feel like you know do you feel like that the book does a good job in in like giving that uh you know representation of grief like a, like a authentic representation of grief i i think it's a representation of a of a story that we can all relate to about grief so you know there's an awkward goodbye um ashley's angry and grumpy and um you know kind of you know turns inward um, is upset, is looking for signs from her friend, Cody. Um, so there's just a lot of pieces and elements to the story that depending on your own experience, I think you'll be able to find places that might bring an opportunity to think through some of your grief and, and maybe share some of, share some conversations around it. I think it's, I think with children, and I talk about this in a letter to the parents in the beginning of the book and some thoughts around how children grieve depending on how old they are. But you know, sometimes if their face is in their phone, that doesn't mean that they're not listening or they're not connected. It just might be a safe way for them to think. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I'm, I'm as a 13 year old, I might be very sensitive that I don't wanna bring up that I'm upset about dad's death because I don't want to upset my mom. So the mom thinks, okay, well, they're not bringing it up. So I'm not going to bring it up when really there is this proverbial elephant in the room 
that we want to be able to create conversations around it. We're all thinking about it. So how do we have the courage to talk about it? So there's different elements in the story that you could use as, a, as, as commonalities to, to talk about that, right? Just like a book club, it's the same thing. Yeah, that's, I think that's good. And I think that's essentially the hard part. And what you said there about children or, you know, on the one hand, the parent might think, oh, you know, they're just, you know, always playing their video games on their phones. That means they don't really, they don't really care what's happening or they've, they've shut up. But actually that might be a, a coping mechanism. They might, right. care, but they don't, like you said, they don't want to upset anyone else or have anyone else feel like they can't, you know, because sometimes it's like emotional intelligence because they might see like, okay, one parent's already, you know, doing their best for us. So I don't want to add to that. And even though that that is noble of them, but at the same time, they need to talk about it because if if there's clarity amongst how everyone's feeling, then you can kind of sort of know how to navigate amongst each other and be there for each other and support each other in terms of what it is the other needs. You know, so I feel like if you if your book your book is like a like a vessel for that for people you know to open conversation in their homes. Yes. And you know, and I think that's 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 great. That's- I like that. That's a, that's a great way to describe it. And it's good. You can make it your own. You can put in it what you want with your own memories and your shared memories. Um, and even in the younger, I, I, when I told the story originally to a, a six-year-old, she was having nightmares. Um, her dad had died and she was having nightmares and not able to sleep in her room alone. And so I just made her a bell. And I told the story about, you know, hang this bell on your bed and let's talk about when you think of your dad, his bell in heaven rings. So it's just a, and I think it, because it was um, tangible, you know, it was something real that she could hold and think about her dad, um, her, she was able to sleep in her room and it just, it kind of gave her a pathway to process at a very, very young age. Again, this isn't a replacement for therapy or counseling or religion that's not it it's but it is i think an additional either a gift that you could give a grieving family or a tool as a parent or an aunt or an uncle that just might create some space yeah yeah but so you know when you said earlier that of course like as much as it appears to be a lot of uh, positive review about the book and people are really in support of it. And you mentioned that, you know, this isn't a substitute for like therapy. And are, are those things you just sort of say when, when like someone else has sort of prompted you on that, or is this something that you've let like, me put as, as a clear disclaimer in the book or just something that you kind of tell people off, off the back of them leaving a review, you know, and stuff like that. No, I mean, it's, it, again, it's a fable, it's a story. So I don't think it comes even close to the, the, the realm of, you know, giving any advice or any kind of, you know, you know, social work kind of um, expertise. I have had hospice executives and social workers say that they are using the story as a way to get conversations started and having students read the story because it, it takes it out of a direct conversation. Um, I have degrees, my bachelor's degree is in communication, my master's degree is in communication. And a lot of my uh, 
thesis was about communication competence and the propensity to take conflict personally. I know that sounds really boring, but when you think about death, right, it is conflict mm-hmm. and people avoid conflict. Um, and then I did add a journal this last year. I lost my dad in February. He died. And I had already started thinking about questions and thoughts around the feedback that I was getting from the book. And so I put together a journal called Ring to Remember. And between the book and the journal, now I have um, um, counselors and social workers using that set more. But again, the questions aren't anything that, again, that, that I'm trained on. They're just kind of sherry questions, you know, like what's the first question you think your loved one is going to ask you when you see them in heaven Mm -hmm. or, you know, is there a holiday tradition that is hard now that your loved one is gone that you can recreate? So it's just very basic questions, but I think large questions to be able to allow for that conversation. But I don't claim to be trained. I'm just a storyteller. No, that's good. And uh, yeah, the reason why I mentioned because sometimes people might, you know, you know, have get that and it's always good to sort of like um, always convey what it is, you know, that you stand for, the book stands for. But either way, like I, I feel like personally speaking, if you're writing about grief and from the heart as well, being genuine, there's no such, it's always going to be met with posit- positivity. I don't see why anyone would have anything negative to say about that, especially when you're, you're, you're doing it sincerely and you know there's no, you know, agenda behind it. It's just, I want to help people. Yes. And that's, I don't think you can go wrong with that, to be honest with yes. you. Thank you. And and even, even speaking of that, like, so, and... I'm sure you might have had the same idea where you felt like I'm, I'm writing sincerely, this is from the heart. Was that enough to stop any sort of self-doubt, imposter syndrome, you know, or any, any like fear that was literally holding you back from really giving, like pushing this off the ground? I think that's the key. It, my, it outweighed my fear. Mm-hmm. My need to help outweighed it. Um, and I think that's, I think that's important. You know, I, I, I stopped my self-talk that, you know, I'm not an author and what if people don't like this? And, you know, maybe people are going to view this as, you know, I don't know, not sufficient. Um, and it just, you have to push through that and just say, you know what, I'm just trying to share my gifts. If you don't like it, great. But if you do, let me know. Um, and it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and literally when you have that, because I feel like writing a book, putting it out there, it's, it's a big, it's definitely something to be proud of. And, you know, and at the same time, look, I get it. We all want our work to be um, acknowledged, you know, but I think it's a, there's a fine line between over wanting it and realizing, look, as long as I know that I'm putting messages out there for whoever to consume it, can consume it. You have that in mind. Don't worry about anything else. But it's still hard, isn't it? It's still, because you're still going to have, like, maybe I'm, I can only talk for myself here because I, I can get very, start overthinking. And then before I know I haven't done anything, I'm like, I've said to myself, oh, you know, in two years, I'm going to do this. And then two years has gone by. 
I still have done what I said to do. So it's like I want to stop my myself from from that and just be like, you know what, you've got nothing to lose. Like, yes, it's easier said than done most of the time. Right, and part of part of I know my strength was um, realizing where I needed help, and then you know hiring for it. Like I never thought in a million years I would draw the picture for the cover and the chapters. So. You know, if I needed help with an editor or if I needed help with a book coach, you know, then hire it, you know, or or ask friends to look at it. But remove the barriers as you start to move forward, whatever project that is. And I think part of it, when we think about grieving families, right, or having those difficult conversations, whatever they are, as leaders or as colleagues, sometimes, you know, you have to have those courageous conversations. Um, I just go for it because anybody that's experiencing loss is going to appreciate your attempt. However awkward it is. Yeah. No, I think I I, I agree with that. Like, so how, how did you, how did you, how do you feel the book influenced your family life and, you know, just people around you? Well, when my father died in February, it was really vulnerable for me because I had, the book had been published. A lot of people had read it. So now everybody's up in my brain, right? Everybody's up in my own coping mechanism of how I approach death. You know, I believe that our loved ones are right here with us, that they are in heaven. And when we see them again, when I die, they haven't missed a beat. And they're up there just fine. And they're hanging out with their friends and their family members. And um, so what I got was this community of commonality in this story where they were saying, Ray's bell is ringing. And he's up there right now with your father-in-law and what he thinks going on. And so it was just um, even, um, even in his obituary, you know, the the his kids and stuff talked about um the bell and and heaven's bell so it was it was vulnerable but it was also really supportive but that that's changed i think how our family looks at death really it's it the story's out there so we talk about it a lot right so was it like uh, in the way you looked at it so what was the way you looked at it then and and how do you and how's the book influence how you look at it now, whether that's you personally or as a family? It's less lonely. I mean, it was a story that I had that I kept to myself, right? So it was just my way of finding joy in my grief journey that they're okay. I miss them, but they're okay. Um, and, you know, I would ring their bell whenever I thought of them, whether it's at, you know, every single day for my father, Ray, but even looking at uh, holidays and things. So it's less lonely because now everybody's showing up and talking about the story and, and, and knowing that it's safe to talk about our loved ones who have died. Yeah. That, so I'm offering to them that you're not gonna make me sad. It's, we can talk about our loved ones who are no longer with us here on earth, but that that we can continue to celebrate who they are and, and talk about their wonderfulness here and the traditions. It's okay. 
So in a way it's less lonely. Yeah, it's true. I feel like I'm I'm someone who you know I, I'm I have different consume different things like podcasts on grief, you know books as well. And I don't know. I think when you know it, I do agree, but it can. It, I know you said it's less lonely, but in the beginning for me, grief I just felt so alone. I've never been so vulnerable. Like I just felt like it just feels different. Like I feel I'm the only one going through this, and. Although I wasn't, but it felt like that, especially because, you know, like my age at the time I was in my mid twenties. So I was like, okay, this is not supposed to happen now, you know. So I just felt like I'm not experiencing this. No one else knows what this is like, and, and I don't wish on anyone, but it's just that sense of loneliness because you have to do with this alone. If I if there was someone there who had gone through it already, at least maybe I can go to them. How do you do it? How do you deal with it? But I'm doing everything from. like from yeah with, with no guidance and again I know I'm not the only I'm not the first person but it just it felt like felt very difficult like how am I going to get out of this this dark cloud Yes, I'm sorry. And it is, it is, it's such a personal journey and no one's going to do it for you. They might be able to do it with you, but you, and you should be able to do it the way you're wired to, to have that grief journey. Um, but it is important, I think, to make sure that you're present for people that are grieving. And we are not good at that. As a society, we are not good at it. We, we think we need to have the answers. So we're going to come in and say, hey, you know, it's been a year or hey, you know what, at least your mom's still alive or hey, at least you have brothers and sisters to lean in. I mean, like, why do we feel the need? Why do we feel the need to have answers versus just ask questions? Yeah. You know, how's today? How are you doing today? I'd like to take you to dinner. I'd like to drop off something for you. Or, I mean, just ask what makes you the most sad or what, what, um, what memory can you share with me? Or like I said, the journal will give you tons of prompts, hundred, hundred pages of prompts. If you don't, if you don't want to come up with an answer or a question on your own, but So many people kind of put that burden of, I got to lift their chin up. I've got to tell them what to do. And that's not what we need when we're grieving. Yeah. But sometimes it's, oh, sorry. No, I just think we need, we need to be loved, right? We just need, we yeah. just need to know people are there that love us. 100%. But something I do feel like, you know, like, the need to always have answers is because we want, we don't want to, in my opinion anyway, we don't want to seem like we don't care because, you know, someone who's, you know, you're trying to support someone who's lost someone in their, especially in their lives. What, what do you say? Like, it's like, I don't know if I feel like in my experience when I've gone to, you know, like support those who've gone through grief, I've almost felt a bit nervous because like, I don't know what to say right now. I, like, I don't want to pretend that, I want to acknowledge that, that I know that you're, you're hurt and you're going through this, but also I don't want it to seem like I don't care. So it's like trying to find the balance. Like, okay, well, if I tell them, oh, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Like, is that, that reassurance is like your way of saying that you care. But sometimes it's the opposite. You maybe just sit with them or ask them, you know, 
questions like but in a gentle way you know what you need like how you feel and just simple things you know or, you know but it's not easy I, you know like I said I've experienced it personally but I've also like experienced trying to support people and it's it's hard and it can be nerve-wracking when you when you feel like you don't want to trigger someone because the the grief is still fresh yes yes or even just to you know I call it the color analysis right just to say I feel really sad too or um I, I always, I try to lead with curiosity, you know, it, it just explore or just be, just sit, right? Make, make some tea and sit. Sometimes it's just time. Um, it's, it's, it's okay not to have all the answers. I think what's most important, even if it's, it feels awkward or, or you even say something that you think is awkward. Like, what do you say? I'm sorry. What do you say after that? You know, just be there with them. Yeah. And, and it's also the, the need of sometimes we have to acknowledge that we can be wrong sometimes, but just say, you know, I apologize. It doesn't. And I get it because you don't want to say the wrong thing, but sometimes you, that's how you learn you know, so by learning to, to know what to say or what not to say, you know, but, but so long as, you know, if you are someone who is trying to support some grievance, so long as you're, you're sincerely respectful, like you're genuinely respectful, you're trying to be there for them, you know, it doesn't matter. You don't have to necessarily say anything if you don't know what to say. Just ask them what you need, anything I can do. It doesn't matter. How, however, like, even if, yeah, it doesn't matter. I know they sound like very simple questions, but sometimes that's, you need to just leave it as that. You don't need to always feel the need to have the right answers because we, we don't even those of us who are experiencing it we know it's had the right answers we're only telling you based off of experience and the hope that it will help you too so because it's just one what works for me might not work for someone else or work for you right it's just give give yourself a break you don't have to have all the right things to say no one's expecting that just show up just show up. And I think we're, we've, we've learned a lot of lessons through the pandemic. Um, we understand how isolating the world can be, let alone in a time of conflict. Um, and if you can lead with curiosity, have the courage to ask questions or just be present, be quiet and be present. Um, I think that is a long way to helping people know that they're supported and loved. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's and as we go, but just circling back on the pandemic, and as I said before, it's it's very it's sad that's happened. It's sad, you know. And but also, there's up this other kind of side of looking at the pandemic where people have actually it was like a, a reset, but also a way for people to really like, right, go after the things they've been holding back because there is nothing else to kind of distract you now, you know, whether before that was not been work, kids or wherever maybe, but as that pandemic literally said to look, you need to just slow down and really focus on what is, what, what, what do you, what are you suppressing? What, what is it that, you know, you, you've, that's been on a, on a back burner that you, you really are scared to, let fly off the shelves you know what i mean so so that would you say that was your experience as well with writing the book 
Yes. And I think the pandemic, while it's air quotes over, there are so many families that are devastated by the loss of one parent or both parents or grandparents. So the, the, the familiar structure of, of how we are talking about uh, death or coping with um, this new family unit, um, it's, it's millions, it's tens of millions worldwide. Um, so yeah, it's the pandemic is not killing people as, as many people as it was at one time, but the aftermath, the after effects of our grief and our inability to talk about it, I think, um, hopefully we can, we can do better. And I think as leaders of our families, I think as adults, um, opening up and being able to be present is going to be so important because there's a lot that we're dealing with. Yeah. It's like, it takes a long time to be unpack things. And I think that's one thing I've struggled with. Like I'm, I'm very good at just concealing things and which is good up until a certain degree, but I feel like, you know, being vulnerable can be scary at times, but there's a, there's a sense of calmness when you've actually allowed yourself to be vulnerable and let things out. Like, you know, I get it. It can be scary because, you know, we, we don't have like that sort of safe haven, whether that's a, a mental thing or whether that's physically, but we don't have a safe haven. Like it can be hard to really uh, have that, uh, that vulnerability and, and be stable in a sense where like you can share things. You can talk to your, your parents freely or whoever your guardians are. Like, but I just feel like, you know, like with grief, especially if, if you already have that sort of setup, it's going to be hard. It's going to take a lot to really express what you're feeling. And like, you know, I feel like the book is doing that, like for some people, like in, in my opinion, of course, like, you know, I don't, I can't predict what people are feeling, but I, I get that sense from how you, from how you've spoken about the process to, the people it's kind of been have, have been receptive towards it so i have that feeling that it is doing that and you are spark conversation in different households to the point where people can feel more free with their grief thank you yeah and that's really what storytelling is all about right it's it's making it less scary hmm. but providing a, a maybe a different door to walk through and a different approach to a difficult conversation. Um, and I think, I think there's a lot of work to be done in, on this topic. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, there's a lot of wonderful organizations out there. Um, we have a lot of information at our fingertips that maybe we didn't have decades ago. Yeah. Um, that are, you know, my, my guardians, you know, didn't have access to. So if we all need to do our part to be able to, try to help people communicate and this is just one tool but there are, there are many others were you able to find a support group or find support in a way that helped you grieve or did it take a while I feel like I almost feel like I wasn't intent really searching to begin with but I feel like through starting the podcast that sort of allowed me to like inadvertently have a support group because I met other people who were also doing grief podcasts 
or doing some sort of uh, sharing resources on grief. I also felt like, okay, I felt like this is people who've gone through it as well. Some had lost, you know, both parents as well. Some had lost a parent or a sibling or, you know, just had experienced loss. So I felt a bit more um, wholesome in the sense where I had people that can, so it's, um, it's almost like I'm creating this platform on grief as a way just to, to um, channel my grief, but I'm, but I'm back to it, but not in a, in a bad sense, but in a sense where I, off the back of it, I've now met people who have gone through the same thing. So I, f- I feel like a sense of community, which which feels good. And it's not to say that I don't want people to be in this community because it's not what we're going through. Again, you wouldn't wish it on, on your your friend or anyone else, you know. So that's why I said that, but not in a, in a rude way, but, you know, but, but unfortunately here we are and it's just about taking um, the bit over the sweet, you know, and, you know, we have each other in, in a sense. So, yeah. so I feel like for me, like my podcast helped me to, yeah, like deal with it, but in a, in a, in a good way. Yeah, that's wonderful. And we would probably be hard pressed to find someone over the age of a certain age, right? That hasn't experienced death in some way. Yeah. So it's just interesting that we, it's just a difficult topic it's a difficult conversation as it should be but how do we get better at it yeah but what, what do you feel like i know like i would say the onus is on, is on us who are trying to spot those conversations about grief the onus is on us to um get better but how do you feel like say the world can get better society can get better with grief like what what's one thing you you would propose if you could sort of change things in terms of how society sees grief and that can be good or good or bad Mm -hmm. in your opinion i think for what i get confused about is that there's society is creating this unspoken we you know grief is something that we have to be afraid of and something that we view as conflict and there's rituals around it and there's etiquette around it. And we put all this pressure on what to say, what not to say. I think it starts at the individual level. If you think about any societal change that's ever happened, it's usually starting with the people, right? The individuals. And so I think it's, I think it's cutting ourselves some slack and, and, having confidence, right? Not those barriers, not unlike writing the book. It's okay to share how you're feeling. Whether I'm the individual grieving, whether I'm the individual trying to help someone that's grieving, I think where we can change is person by person showing up or saying, I'm having a really hard day versus I'm fine. Thanks for asking. It's authenticity. I have, I have been there for friends and saying, I have no idea what to say right now, except that I'm sorry and I'm sad and I can cry right along with you. Okay. Let's start somewhere. Just start somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Cause it's always difficult, but I feel like in a way that I see grief now, there's so many resources out there, not just, in terms of books, YouTube, there's podcasts, there's there, like there's so many, and of course you can't resonate every single 
resource out there, but there'll be something that you can, the, the right resource for you, you would find that, you know, wherever that may be. And, and, that, and that's a great thing because there's some people who really like, they can delve into a book. They, they, they can read a book. I can, they can imagine what's being, what's being written. They can, they can see it. So like, if you have that sort of uh, point mindset with, with books, then of course they're going to find your book to be, amazing and everything more to help them when they grieve because again it's written from a sincere place and I feel like if you're approaching it that way you you can't go wrong you know and the and the book is reading the journal is writing the journal also has pages for drawing and 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 memories so you know if there's events that you've been to or programs or tickets or what have you but it's it's a place that I think everybody grieves differently yeah. You know, and so um, it's 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 just to capture those um, those feelings. And, it, you know, it could change six months from now. So what you write or what you draw or the meaningfulness of the story today might be very different six months from now or vantage points. You know, you might have an answer for a question and, you know, a sibling might have a different answer for the same question. Yeah about your dad you know so it's it's communication it's 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 just a tool so i i yeah i think there's it's so individual but i think as a society we're a new generation that needs to get better at it we all need to get better yeah and yeah it's it's not easy um but i think it's like one step at a time and just going at your pace and, you know, just on a, on a last comment in regards to the book, uh, you know, like even when last time we spoke, you see a lot of positive reviews and things like, like, was there like one review that really stuck with you? Oh, there's, there were, there, there were several that just took my breath away. Um, one that I liked is that um, a young mom said, she was unable to talk about her mom who died years before that her two young daughters never met. And um, she read Heaven's Bell and realized that there was a, the story gave her a place to talk about her mother from that wasn't sad because she didn't want to talk about her mom in front of her children and then cry. She didn't want to associate, you know, oh, mommy's upset every time we talk about you know, grandma. And so she said for the first time since her mom died, she was able to tell amazing stories about this wonderful woman and laugh and share memories in a way that was joyful, that now her daughters want to hear more and more about her mom. And it makes her feel like she is keeping her mother's memory alive and able to talk about it. But without that tool, without that story, she said, I don't think I would have been able to get there. Exactly what was it earlier? Sparking conversation, and that, that's and that's what it is, and and that's the starting point. Like again, it's all it'll all be down to people who who like reading. But even yeah, but I just feel like it's something that even if you don't like reading and you want to just try something new, like this, like I don't know, I, I feel like I, I'm like your 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 PR manager right now. But I'm just saying. <laughs> I, good. I need it. No. And that's why I was so interested in coming on your show. I, I listened to, listened to your podcast, yours and Ben's. And I just, 
you're so real about the conversation. You know, you've, you've experienced such great loss, but you, you also just, you're real and you're going in and you're authentic about it. Um, and I just, I just wanted to come on your show. So thank you so much for having me. No, no, I, I appreciate you coming on. And, and again, something, yes, the something that I asked the last time episode we recorded that, that didn't make the cut. I'm sorry, not the minute cut. That that what that what am I saying? The episode that didn't record properly, basically, because that, that came out wrong. The minute cut, but yeah, <laughs> the time I remember, remember I asked, and it, it's like, so if just imagine like there's someone who is in your position where like they are want to write about their loss, and and they want they want to do that through a, a book, like what would be like one advice you would give them to. Uh, not only get over the impossible, but also like really improve their writing skills as you know they're, they're you know they're, they're, they're writing the project. I, I would say to ask for help, overcome. So if you have a barrier or there's something that's stopping you, really think about what that is and what you can do to move through that barrier. And it's one step at a time. You know, don't go from zero to, you know, I need to sell a million copies. That's not what it's about. It's about getting your gifts out there. People are waiting to hear from you. There are people and audiences out there that you are going to connect to. Let that be your driving force and remove the barriers one by one. And before you know it, it will happen. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's right. So Go for it. The thing is, it's okay, don't worry about numbers. No, and but, but we live in, in a place where we're so driven, especially on, on so any, anything, anything, whether that's that's anything to do with sales or e-commerce, like literally, we're so driven by numbers. So even as a writer, like did, like, did you ever get any? Uh, I would not say temptation, but times where you were a bit influenced by numbers, and, and if you did, how did you, you know, come out of that and really have a a vision that was less to do with with just trying to get a certain amount of numbers or sales. Well, yeah, sales. No, not not at all. I mean, it, it really came from if I could help one person. And that's what the barrier was for me is just what if this fails? What if this, you know, it's so vulnerable to put it out there. And if it's, it's I called it my ugly baby, right? If it's my ugly baby and everybody sees my ugly baby, then and I had to get out of my own way. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that have wild success that don't know that they're going to have wild success, um, but you still have to go for it. Yeah. So um, I dedicated the book to my husband because he finally looked at me and said, would you just get it done? If it helps one person, was it worth it? Would it be worth it if you could help one person? And I said, yes. And then he said, then do it. Do it. Sometimes tough love. Yeah. You know, and, that, and, that, and that's great. And again, I, I feel like some things are, are getting back to me from my last conversation now. Uh, I know you mentioned, and I could be wrong, uh, so this is the first of, I'm guessing the first of many writing projects that you was, something else you're working on. I'm not sure how, how much you can say on that or if you can't say anything at all. Yeah, no. So we've got the we've got the book and we've got the journal for Heaven's Bell. I think the premise of it and you know what I've done for a living, right? My real job is the CEO of 
to recruiting companies in a leadership organization. It's about difficult conversations. So I do have a third book that I actually started writing before Heaven's Bell, but then the pandemic hit and I knew I needed to do Heaven's Bell. And that's more of a, a business fable that is, um, again, about difficult conversations so that when you start your career, it's, it's almost what they didn't teach you in school. Oh, nice. Okay. Because I have a lot of executive leaders that I've interviewed throughout my three decades uh, of doing what I do. And if you think about career derailment and if you think about where they have a tendency to um, um, maybe not make good decisions, it's usually around having those difficult conversations, whether it's looking for a promotion or leaving a job out of anger or not understanding um, when people are trying to tell them something, but their communication skills aren't strong. So all that is around those difficult conversations and how, what if we were able to give somebody just starting their career kind of a, a, a cheat sheet or a way to be able to be better communicators and have those courageous conversations and lead through curiosity. So it's the same premise. It's just with a different topic. Okay. I mean, I don't know. You got you have to be up there on, on that one because that's that seems that seems very interesting. <laughs> well, uh, and I'll let you know. <laughs> so, so that's not that that that's still in the works. There's no release date for that yet. That's in the not works. not yet, but it's it's okay. It's close. It's another ugly baby, but I'm excited <laughs> to be able to release it and and put it into the world. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want you to break your uh your your non disc your your NDA. So I'll I'll stop <laughs> at that. No, but no, but Sherry, thank you. Like, I appreciate you coming on for the the second time. I'm glad we finally made made it happen. Um, yes. as I said in the last convo, like honestly, like what you're doing is so inspiring. And I know you, you said that you like what we're doing, but we're actually, well, speaking about for Ben as well, we're actually very um, I would say grateful for you to like even acknowledge us, you know, and really see us as, you know, the platform you want to share your 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 writing journey and just your your experience with grief like that 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 means a lot um you know for someone of your caliber and yeah just I'm, I'm thankful that you you shared with me today you know and um when this goes out I'm sure there'll be people there who also uh, would want to want the book as well which is, leads me to my second uh my second and last point is yeah where can people find the book uh, so that's the if there's a, uh also an ebook and I know they said it's audible so yeah just the various sites people can search for the yes. book so it's it's um amazon's probably the easiest place to get it it's barnes and noble as well but depending on where you are in the on the globe it um amazon so just go to heaven's bell at amazon or you can read a little bit more about me and the journal and some other reviews at www.heavensbell.com and just learn more there as well nice nice yes yeah, so i said it before but i'll definitely be getting my copy um because again i thought this is something that you know we've experienced and you know and it just feels like it's good to have something that i can read it's good to have a resource pretty much so does anyone listen i hope um you've found some great gems from this episode today um that will also help you in your grief journey if you are grieving or if you know someone who's grieving internally can help them and like i said sherry thank you for coming on thank and, you um, so much i'm yeah. grateful for your work and and i wish you continued success thank you thank you that means a lot 
for those listening, thank you guys for listening. Uh, it's much appreciated. Um, I'm sure she'll appreciate it as well. So um, don't forget to find us on Thinking Out Loud podcast on Instagram. Um, also on TikTok as well. I'll put a link to our TikTok. You know, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with the times, you know, TikTok is a, is a big thing now. So I, I don't want to get, <laughs> I don't want to get left behind. So uh, follow us on TikTok, but all the social media links I'll put in this episode. Um, but yeah, thank you. And that's another episode.